Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the, oh, Jesus, what is it, the 16th episode? Oh, my God, 16th episode of the second season of One for One. I'm your host, Nolan Schumann, and returning from his sabbatical, his time away from the ice, coming off of coming off of the injured reserve, Miles Fuchs is back. Miles, how are you? I'm very good, Nolan. I find this introduction funny compared to the one that I got in the solo Nolan episode where I was off the grid. I was uh, unable to be reached. Uh, all these different things that you were describing sounded like I was doing wet work for the CIA. <laughs> not like I was drinking my weight in mojitos. But what, but what are you not doing wet work for the CIA? Uh, I can't talk about work on the podcast, Nolan. This is this is about the Oilers. We, can, we don't I, talk about personal stuff. I'm like the dad and meet the Fockers. I'm a, I, I'm actually imagining you now trying to sell agricultural equipment by waterboarding somebody. <laughs> you, you're going to trade that John Deere in? No? What'd you fucking say? Get the cables. Get the cables. Put his feet in the kiddie pool. Oh, God. Oh, we're so problematic. Um, okay. By well, any means necessary. Well, to cut to the chase, yes, this is Miles' first episode back um, since the uh, uh, since the fourteenth episode. Obviously, uh, took a bit of a week off afterwards because we wanted to let old Miles get his groove back together. Because uh, I don't think old Stella <laughs> got her groove back right away, so um, wanted to make sure that he was up and at her and ready and primed and ready to 69 uh <laughs> <laughs> episode 16 the emperor's new groove <laughs> uh but w- once again want to give a shout out uh want to give a shout out to zach lang for i mean I, I i said this to him afterwards but i mean for basically co-hosting the podcast with me last week and lot, got a lot of really good feedback on that one because uh i mean that, that guy's just a well of knowledge so want to thank him once again for coming on and um yeah i'm just i'm, I'm excited to get going again miles even though um yeah this week's not uh this uh, is gonna be a fun one this is gonna be a fun one nolan and i think that that is the perfect uh transition into recapping the agenda would you mind if i went ahead and did that perhaps sure thank you very much so ladies and gentlemen at home today what we are going to be doing is going over a little bit of a recap since our last episode uh together since it was so long ago that combined with the postponements that have been happening for your edmonton oilers we'll need to get uh get our feet back underneath of us then there is only one oilers game to talk about but it is a doozy such a doozy in fact nolan that for the first time in one for one history that game actually has two separate names Boom, boom. After we go through that recap of the game against the Senators, we are going to move into some overall Oilers stuff. We're going to talk about our opinion of the Evander Kane saga. Going to go over the new lines that are looking to be released during Hell Week. That's what I'm calling this upcoming week, Hell Week. Um, I'm going to do a little bit more Dave Tippett talk and round things out with two all-time pressers that we've had uh, the past two days. Nolan, the sound bites have been incredible, and there's one that's kind of been blowing up the internet. Uh, Chicklets has been talking about it. Uh, pretty much every podcast, every outlet, everybody has an opinion on it, so it's super timely that we are going to get to discuss that the night it happens, and you all will get to hear about it later. Um, because there is so little NH or so little so little Euler stuff going on, we have a myriad of NHL things to discuss, including the All Star Game, uh, the Olympics that are uh, coming up, 
as well as some very cool jersey retirement, not some, a very cool jersey retirement, one Willie O'Ree that's happening uh, at the Boston Garden tonight. Very well said. I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Willie O'Ree stuff because I think that's really exciting. And uh, I'm really happy that you added that. You actually got a lot of really good information on that. And so I'm very excited to talk about that. So thank you, Miles, for um, adding a little bit of warmth and positivity into our otherwise very sad episode today. Well, Nolan, when I was doing these notes, I thought um, to myself, good Lord, I'm going to curse a lot. I'm going to say some horrible things. I uh, called my priest, just got some preemptive uh, reconciliation happening and figured that the least we could do was end things off with some nice stuff, some heartwarming things. Putting a PSA out there right now, I do not regret any of the words I'm about to say about the Oilers or Oilers Entertainment Group or management or anything thus far. Thank you very much, and let's continue. Now that the disclaimer's out of the way, uh, a little recap here, Nolan. Uh, the last two episodes, episodes 14 and 15, included two very interesting but very different interviews. Selfless plug, if you haven't listened to our interview with one Jonathan Torrens, it's awesome, it's great, he's super funny. Um, and then conversely, last week's episode, as mentioned, Nolan worked with Zach Lang from uh, Oilers Nation. And that is an episode that is a lot more like Oilers specific. There's a lot more discussion about the team specifically. And, and the two of these uh, gearheads go one on one together there and talk about the Oilers. So if you haven't checked out either of those episodes, there's still lots of time and you should. Uh, but since then, the Oilers have had about a thousand games postponed. And um, let's do a little 30,000 foot overview of what has been going on with the Oilers since December 1st. Well, Nolan, I'm glad you asked, because since December 1st, the Oilers are 3-12. and Two of those losses came in overtime, so 3-10-2, however you want to go about it, with seven games postponed in that time frame. The Sens Saturday, Senators Saturday, in case I didn't make that clear, was their first game in 10 days. That is a week plus three. Since the Senators, they have had two more games postponed, uh, and this week we'll have two massive games against the Florida Panthers, who are a certified wagon, and the Flames, who are also struggling a little bit on Saturday, but a Saturday boa is absolutely insane. Uh, additionally, the team has been going through a little bit of turmoil. As mentioned, the Dave Tippett saga has been continuing and has a lot of question marks, has the room divided a little bit, so so you would think. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about Evander Kane potentially signing with the Oilers and how everybody thinks about that and what everybody's opinion is about that. And then stemming from the Evander Kane things, Nolan, is a question of Connor McDavid's leadership, where he's kind of been dragged on Twitter, dragged uh, through the media. Everybody seems to have opinion about Mr. McDavid. So lots to talk about, Nolan, but... Surely there's some positivity to be had when the Ottawa Senators are coming into town on a Saturday night. Nope, because Saturday night's all right for sucking, Miles. That's exactly it, as well as a, um, what's he, what else did they do, Miles? Uh, we are calling this a um, absolute core nuclear meltdown. Once again, just really, really big fan of Russian history and the cold war uh Did that happened in like the 80s i don't even <laughs> oh actually you know what else happened in the 80s There's the oilers were fucking the, the oilers were fucking good um yeah so first first game in 10 days lots of rest lots of controversy lots of stuff that we'll we'll, we'll get to eventually uh and just lots of well, lots of turmoil it's 
things are things are great in Oilerville. This is literally, and I've I've used this reference on the podcast before, but this is literally the the cartoon image of the dog with the house on fire saying this is fine because that's exactly what this is. This is fine, right? This is okay, right? Can I can I interject for a moment? Yes. Um, there's been a lot of jokes on the internet about the Oilers soap opera. If this was an Oilers soap opera, it would be called the Not So Young and the Restless because <laughs> they're not that young of a team anymore. I think that's really funny. So good for me. It's it, it, you could also call it. You could also make it General Hospital for the amount of fucking injuries that we've had and the amount of COVID ah! amount of COVID additions we've had. Ah, uh, okay. Well, but it can't. Get, but it can't be bad, Nolan, because the Senators, the struggling Senators, seventh place in their division, coming into Edmonton, third worst game. in the league, baby. Saturday night, boys have been off for ten days. They've got to be full of piss and vinegar, ready to hit some dirty jerseys. It can't. You, you've got to hit that money line if you're shout out to the boys at the rolling the dice pot. You got to hit uh, that money line for the Oilers. There's no way they can lose this game, right? Right. Well, Miles, I hate to break it to you, but the Oilers are still the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, so yeah, bounce back time, right? Boom! Uh-huh. Right, 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 right off the beginning, uh, Josh Norris opens the scoring from on, on the power play from Little Brady Kachuk. When you say the Oilers are the Oilers, that is the mo- like the most poetic transition that it could be. The Oilers giving up the first goal of the game, fantastic, very delicious. It, it, we love it. Uh, then after Oilers, uh, and, and it's just this, this like this, just uh, the the team has a problem with starting on time. Clearly, and this is like a thing that we've gone back to even last season. Is this team not wanting to start on time? And it's an old sports cliche: start the game on time. But guess what? This team doesn't start on time. I wonder what that goes back on. We'll get to that. Uh, but of course. As everyone expected, Zach Cassian scoring on a power play goal from Jesse Puliarvi and Leon Dreisaitl. We all saw that. Who all, saw, who all had that in the 2022 bingo card? <sighs> then, Kyle Yamamoto scores off of just a real... I mean, this is what it was a, was a grab-your-lunch-pail and drive to the net breakaway. Uh, seven points in his last seven games, scores on, an, or, uh, scores on this goal uh, from assist by William Loggison, recently waived. And Warren Fogle. Yay, bottom six scoring. And then, afterwards, Brendan Pierlini gets his third of the year from Colton Sevier and Duncan Keith. Puts three, them up 3-1. 3-1, baby. Wake up and smell the $12 draft. Let's go, Edmonton. 3-1? Unbelievable. And, and you know no what? They're gonna, there's and no you know, way they're going to fuck this up. I was ready for the takes. I was ready, I was ready for the Mark Spector piece saying... Dave Tippett got his team to dig in and, and dig deep and work hard, and he was able to motivate them. Now this is a team. Now this is a team that's ready to go on a deep playoff run. 3-1. Three, uh, Going into the third? Well, guess what? Adam Goddard gets one. Fuck. Alex Formanton then gets one. Double fuck. Tie game. Fuck. Then, insert what? what what's what's going on? What? It's, I think that, so. Just looking at these two names of like Adam Gaudet and Alex Formanton, I, I inserted the meme of like, you know, that little blonde kid with the bowl cut. And it's like, wait a minute. Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> That's how I feel looking at that, that uh, Senator's roster. But yeah, great. Who are you? It doesn't matter. You're the fucking B team. And now it's 3 3. And then you know what? That, that wasn't where it all ended. Artem Zub gets one. And now it's 4 3 Senators. 
did Miles before I um combust? Yeah. Why don't you uh why don't you tell me what happened next? Well, Nolan, our uh, our hopes were realigned as Daddy Darnell got one uh, and assisted by Oh god, this is going to feel so good. Yes, Paulie Harvey and hard work in Zach Hyman. We are tied up back at fours. Darnell had like nine shots on goal this game. Guy was flying around there. Uh, nine shots on goal, one uh, half a million dollars short of what his contract is, but got a goal. We love a Darnell goal. Makes me happy. 4-4. Four, four. Awesome. Great. Uh, and then the house of cards came falling in. I will be completely honest. It was at this point that I started watching this game. Um, I was out. I was out skating. I went for a nice skate at Iceville. No free ads. And um, was checking on my phone and I saw that it was, you know, three one Oilers. I'm like, oh, this is good. This is fine. There's no problem. Uh, so I get back home, go out or get home, change, go out for some drinks and some food, come back home. And I see that it is four, four. And I'm like, what? I says, I says, pardon. Uh, so I throw the TV on and it's right as Darnell scores and they're showing the celebrations and whatnot. So I am, I am tuned in at this point. I am watching the game. Um, it is at this point that Cody CC decides to tuck all Oilers fans in for rest. He says, good night, sleep tight. And Josh Norris gets his second of the night again on the power play. He wasn't even wearing his own fucking helmet. I think he took, uh, Austin Watson's or something like that off the bench, threw it on, went out there, scored. And then as they're doing the drive by Sully, takes his helmet off, throws it into the bench and just everybody, everybody in Senator's land is having a laugh. These guys aren't even using the proper PPE and they're scoring goals. Um, so that's great. Uh, so shortly after that, that was about the three minute mark left in the period. Uh, Zach Stanford gets an empty net goal to make it six, four senators. That's your final go home. Everyone uh, last guy out, turn the lights off. Speaking of PPE, the uh, Oilers forgot their SDS sheets. Uh, oh! That was a what was that a Wimis course for you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, Edmonton outshot Ottawa thirty-seven to twenty-six. Ottawa won the physical matchup, thirty-four hits to twenty-three. Oilers went one for three on the power play and gave up two power play goals to the assassin Josh Norris, who won fifty-five percent. Oh, did the Oilers won fifty-five percent of the draws? The Oilers won 55% of the draws and outshot the Senators. Yeah, uh, that's that's not good uh, because that's uh, not only were they, out, were they outplaying them, but that means that they just completely fell apart in the third period. I wonder what that might well, have to do with more than anything. If you're controlling that much of the game, like outside of physicality, but like on your, you know, you're winning 55% of the faceoffs and you're outshooting them, you know, just about... Uh, by 10 shots or whatever they're like you're clearly doing what you need to to win and it's just like you said the wheels fell off they gave up they stopped playing in the third and just shit the bed for lack of a better term uh, which really sucks for one Stuart skinner who was recently recalled from bakersfield he allowed five goals on 25 shots uh not great statistics either in these in these numbers of 5.17 goals against average and a 0.890 Sorry, wow, that's a typo. 0.800 save percentage. You look like me at a three-on-three matinee after I went out with the friends the night before and had a couple of cold beverages. So uh, being compared to a hungover teenager is probably not what you want to see, Stuart Skinner. I'm really glad that you said that because I really didn't want to have to diss my friend today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Kyler Yamamoto, Evan Bouchard, Dash 3. 
Love to see it. Honorable mention to Connor McDavid, William Loggison, and Warren Fogle for going dash two. I mean, plus minus kind of sucks, but I mean, you, I mean, it's it's resourceful for this game, of course. Shut up, nerd. <laughs> and special shout out to Brendan Pierolini, who scored a goal, and then Dave Tippett decided to not play him at all. I think he finished the game with five minutes and 18 seconds of ice time. This fucking coach, man. This guy. <laughs> like, uh, oh, all, honestly, room. honestly, at this point, it's like it's like Dave Tippett is going into every one of these games, looking in the camera at Bob Nicholson, OEG, Daryl Cates, everybody all together, and saying, fuck you, fire me, I dare you. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm fully expecting, honestly, Miles, I'm fully expecting next game to see, like, I don't know, okay, well, let's, let's see the lineups for a second. I'm fully expecting to see Leon Dreisaitl on the right wing with Devin Shore on the left wing and Connor McDavid in the middle. Uh, tell then, me more. Tell me more. Like, then they should have a car. And then they're going to score two goals, and then Dave Tippett's going to be like, yeah, I found, the, uh, I found the missing ingredient. And they're going to sign him to fucking five years at $4 million per trade Yesa. Time is a flat circle. Uh, okay. <laughs> Evander Kane. Because, yeah, this team needs scoring, apparently. Well, uh, you know what I think they might need more of? A little bit of fucking defensive zone play. But who am I to say, right? Deep breath. Evander- Can I get a deep breath? Can I get a deep breath? A, re- a little bit of relaxation from you as I introduce this. Yes. Okay. Thanks. So uh, one thing that I've noticed on Instagram is getting quite a few questions from a few different folks. I'd say, you know what? Uh, about four or five people sent a DM to the pod and said, like, what do you guys think about Evander Kane potentially being on the Oilers? Uh, which is like a decent sample size because if people are asking, you know that they somewhat care, right? Uh, and I think that this has been a hot button issue in Oilerville for, you know, the past fucking two weeks. Ever since Evander Kane formally got released by the Sharks, it's been something that a lot of people have been talking about. Um, so let's do a deep dive on Evander Kane. Evander Kane has 763 games in the NHL, in which he has 264 goals, 242 assists, good for 506 points, 988 minutes in penalties. And in the 29 playoff games he has played, he has six goals, seven assists, that is 13 points, that math I can do, and 84 minutes in penalties. His best statistical season was in 2018-2019, where in San Jose, he had 30 goals, 26 assists, good for 56 points. He was a dash four and had 153 minutes in penalties. He's had six 20-plus goal seasons in the NHL. Uh, He's a renowned scumbag. He's got lots of bad teammate reviews, and uh, he's not a very good guy off the ice either, and that is putting it pretty lightly. So why am I talking about penalty minutes as much as I am, Nolan? And this is going to be how we're going to get right into it. We talk about defensive team struggles. We talk about lack of goal scoring. And we talk about internal turmoil, correct? So naturally, the best thing that you can do is bring a guy in who has a shitty attitude, loves taking selfish penalties and scoring goals, apparently and bring that in to bolster the top six. That is foolproof, right? That's a great idea. And I know that that's a bit of a Mickey Mouse analysis, right? But like anybody who's taking, uh, who's going, who's scoring 56 points in the NHL, going minus four, he was playing with like Joe Thornton that year. He had tremendous line mates around him uh, and put up 153 points. Like even a 
you know, 10 of those are five minute majors for fighting, whatever. That's still a fight every, you know, eight games or whatever. Like this guy is a fucking meathead who's selfish and is the last thing that this Oilers team needs in my humble opinion, but you would disagree. Miles, I've got, you, you, you threw out a bunch of numbers there, bunch of, bunch of really great numbers, but you know what? You might say you have Mickey Mouse analysis. I've got Mickey Mouse analysis for you right fucking here. What do you see right here? I see three. Three. Three is a very important number, Miles. Why do you think three is a very important number, Miles? Um, because it is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and I grew up in Catholic school. No, three is the number of teams that Evander Kane <laughs> has been exiled from. And yet, this team that already has major self-destructive tendencies is deciding to take a swing on because fuck it. Why not? <laughs> it's like the, it's the meme from uh, arrested development where um, Tobias is in couples counseling and he's like, but I, it's never worked. It never works for anybody, but it might work for us. Dude, this is straight up. I just blued myself is this whole situation. <laughs> like uh, the, cause the, the the best part about this whole thing is that if Andrew Kane's not even signed by the Edmonton Oilers, he's not even a he's not even a contracted player for the Edmonton Oilers, and yet this is just adding to the dark cloud that is the what, what season are we in twenty one twenty two season? Because not only do we have a a, a bad well. I don't know if we have necessarily a bad roster. I think it's just a bad team right now, if that makes sense. Does, does that make sense to you? Is the term that makes sense? Not, yeah, fine roster, but like bad, like playing bad. We have a bad we have a bad team right now. We have a coach that has absolutely no idea what he's doing. We now have uh uh we we now unfortunately have star players that look completely fucking miserable and for good reason. And fourth, now we have our captain, star player, face of the NHL facing backlash for the fact that he's put in a position where he has to not kind of sort of defend Evander Kane. Now, going back to that, let's think about the let's think about the idea of why Evander Kane is being looked at and why he, the team is even considering signing this guy. Because you put it you put it very lightly, this guy is a fucking asshole. There's no <laughs> way around it. He's a fucking asshole. He has I mean, all you have to do is look at the history in Winnipeg, the history in Buffalo, and then comes to the Sharks. Things seem to be okay with the Sharks, but this completely veteran-laden squad, this team that everybody always says is like the, the best environment to play for, now all of a sudden they're souring on him? I wonder why. Oh, and then coming into the season, decides he's going to fake a vaccine, like a, a vaccine card, and then put his team in jeopardy for that. And then all encompassing this, you get the drama. You get the, the $27 million uh, uh, bankruptcy settlement. That's whatever. I, I, I don't put that on Evander Kane. Like, that's shit that the guy needs help for. But then you have all the stuff with his girlfriend, or sorry, with his wife, which I don't want to get into that too much because there's a lot of conflicting reports. I mean, the, there's, a, there's a lot that goes into that, and I really don't want to touch on that subject right now. But the fact of the matter is, is that all of the evidence points to one thing, that Evander Kane is an asshole. And the last thing, is, the last thing this team 
that is as delicate mentally as they are needs is an asshole on the roster. <sighs> like the guy has talent. I I will I will not take that away from him. The guy he was on pace for like he was on like a 70 point pace last year and was probably the Sharks best player. But at the end of the day, it's not worth it. It's it's I don't want to really compare him to Antonio Brown, but like Antonio, That's the obvious comparison. It's the obvious comparison, but I, it's tough to it's tough to really compare the two because, like Antonio Brown has, they they both have their own mental health issues that they have to get figured out. Um, but yeah, it's all the talent in the world, but a guy that just does not fit in the, for lack of a better term, like pantheon of of a locker room teammate. No, but okay, so contrary to that, then the reason that I brought up Joe Thornton a little while ago in my description of Evander Kane is that, um, like, what does his time in San Jose kind of tie him up with, for lack of a better term? And that's Joe Thornton leaving the Sharks. I think that if you have, like, a solid, like, I can not control you, but, like, somebody who can rein him in, like, Jumbo was able to do, this is a guy that can come and contribute to a team and can put up points and, like, be that energizer kind of shithead role where he's like an asshole to play against, but his teammates love him. Um, because it's just like you said, like he was the Sharks best player last year, um, which is kind of around the time that things started to unfold for him. But before that, he was putting up pretty decent numbers and it wasn't like Buffalo. It wasn't like Winnipeg. You weren't hearing these stories about him, which, you know, Buffalo and Winnipeg were two uh, relatively younger teams, I would say, didn't have the locker room presence like the Sharks did. So once Jumbo left and he was kind of, you know, um, one of the leaders on the team, it completely went off the rails and that's when he went nuts. So nuts, not, you know, to be rude, but like when he started doing the shit that he was doing, right. The, the, the reason that he's a free agent at the moment. So that being said, the pros that he brings to a team, I don't think would work in Edmonton at all, because I don't think that we have someone in the locker room like a Joe Thornton that could rein him in. You know what I mean? Even if this is his last chance, like Duncan Keith isn't going to be a Joe Thornton to him. I just, I just don't see Keith as that role this year on this team. He hasn't been that mentor that everybody thought that he was going to be. And I don't think that that's a guy that Evander Kane is going to like, you know, nuzzle up to and, and listen to and respect. I mean, maybe a guy like Hyman is what someone like Evander Kane needs because I like Hyman seems to be like a big, positive like like positive reinforcement kind of guy um but yeah i just i i i can't i i don't want to do this i don't want to i don't want the oilers to become like the team that looks at like the bad guys because you are looking at a potential evander kane addition on top of the already checkered history we have with you know duncan keith and whomever like it's i just i i just i don't i don't like the fit and I think, if anything, this team needs defensive help more than anything. Like, if you're going to make a move and you're going to add salary onto this team, you have to do it defensively. Because I I know people might not agree with me, but, like, I really think that this team, under the right tutelage, can be awesome offensively. But the head coach does not know how to, how to coach a team that runs all four lines perfectly. and. I think that kind of leads into sort of, I, I don't know if you have any more things you want to say about, about the Evander Kane thing. Nope. Let's talk nope. about lines because okay. 
there was a storm that got posted on the internet yesterday from one uh, Jack Michaels, friend of the show, Jack Michaels, where he unveiled what uh, the lines are going to look like coming up against the Florida Panthers. Um, the biggest notable change here was one Brandon Pierlini wearing top six white. So, Nolan, if I could uh, get it right into it here, the first line would be Pierlini, Connor McDavid, Kyler Yamamoto. The second line would be Hyman, Dreisaitl, Jesse Pogliar. The third line would be Warren Fogle, Ryan McLeod, Zach Cassian. The fourth line would be Devin Shore, Derek Ryan, and Colton Sevier. On defense, they would have Nurse and CeCe, Barry and Keith. Very interesting there that Keith and CeCe are finally getting split up. Uh, Russell and Evan Bouchard would be taking the third pairing roles. Uh, Slater Cuckoo and recently legged, <laughs> recently legged, recently waived William Logason were the additional defensemen. And Miko Koskinen would be starting in net after Stuart Skinner was placed in COVID protocol. So I'll be honest. Uh, I, I actually don't completely hate the lines. Uh, I, I, I still am flabbergasted as per why Devin Shore is still getting, um, is still getting time in the lineup. I understand he kills penalties, but I really think that you could use multiple people in that lineup to kill penalties instead of him. I don't know. Maybe one of the best defensive forwards on the team in Yesipoli Yarvi. Tyler Benson. Tyler Benson as well. Like, fuck off, Dave. Like, come on. And Dave. David. And it just... You know, I I I I look forward to kind of I I'm kind of looking forward to see this McDavid Yamamoto and Perlini line, and the reason being is because Perlini's really shown a knack that once he gets time in the lineup, the guy just fires the puck on net, and that's kind of what Connor McDavid needs on his line is a guy just to shoot, get a guy that can shoot, get a guy that can forecheck like Yamamoto. This could be something, it really could be. I think Hyman Drysaddle Puliyarvi really has the potential to be arguably the, one of the best lines in the NHL because it's three really skilled players that are really tenacious on the puck. I like that. The numbers have shown that Warren Fogle, Ryan McLeod, Zach Cassian could be pretty damn good. Um, I just really want Tyler Benson to get in this lineup, and I, I just still do not understand why they're not giving this guy a shot in the top six. Like, I, I, I go back to this from before, and I talked about this with Zach, is players, point per game in the AHL, and really skilled offensively through their entire careers up to this point, how the hell are they just completely losing all offensive production once they get to the NHL? Like, I firmly believe that you should not have to place a player into a checking role. That isn't... that. That's such a like old man mindset in a new NHL where the 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 focus is scoring. The Tampa Bay Lightning run four lines. They don't run two top six lines and then say, "Oh yeah, we yeah we want this we want this third line just to check." Like we don't really care about your scoring because, as far as I know, the team that well, I some people want to get into an argument about whether or not it was their third or second line, but nonetheless, the Barkley Goudreau, uh, Yanni Gord and Blake Coleman line was arguably Tampa's best line in the, in the entire playoff run last year. And that was what we thought was a checking line, but no reality. It was go out there and score guys, go out there and score and prevent chances. That's all. 
Well, not to mention, Nolan, that when you have a line like that, like that's you look at those guys that are on that line and where they are now and they're top six forwards on every team that they're playing for, right? Um, but that being said, like to have your third line tied up as checkers when they're getting advantageous matchups is stupid. It's not smart hockey planning because if you can have some firepower on that line, which like I think they do because Ryan McLeod, no, like it shows that he can score. Fogel's got some upside. Cassian, when he's got guys around him, can score, right? Um, but if you have those third line, rather than checking, have some like energy to them and get a good matchup against a fourth or another third line that's not as skilled, that's a great way to set yourself up for success and, and put the puck in the net and give yourself a lead and take some of the pressure off of those top two lines that are going to have the harder matchups. Um, it's so basic, but it's so right. If that makes sense, not to pat myself on the back, but like it's right there. And the proof is in the pudding for when you look at a winning team, how it's constructed, they make that third line lethal. See my, my problem with the, um, with the, the, the Tampa argument where it's like, um, you know, those guys would be top six players on most teams is I believe in like found money. And getting the most out of the players you have in your lineup. And doing what you can, knowing what these guys do best. Tyler Benson does not work best as a penalty killer or as a checking forward. Tyler Benson, in his entire career up to this point, has shown he works best as an offensive winger. Creativity in the offensive zone. Hmm... Why don't we try and balance the scoring a little bit? Why don't we try and maybe move a guy like... Just, just throwing this out there. Just, just throwing this out there. What if, we, what if we tried to move maybe a guy like Zach Hyman down to the third line and let him drive a line on his own and then maybe move a guy like, I don't know, Tyler Benson up. And then Warren Fogle. You could even move Warren Fogle down to the fourth line. But you give... Both of those bottom six lines, more playing time. Like, how the fuck Dave Tippett comes to the point of saying, yeah, I should play my top two lines 23 minutes a game. That is not a winning formula whatsoever. Like, you can look at all the past cup winners. Look at, I mean, we go back to Tampa, for example. Tampa's not playing Braden Point and Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov 22, 23 minutes a game. They're getting like 18, 19 minutes a game, and you're balancing the rest of the lineup. And what we've seen thus far is even when there's bottom six scoring, Dave Tippett will not reward said players with more playing time and getting more comfortable. And it just, it's, it's infuriating to watch because the guy shows no adaptability in the game, if that makes sense. It absolutely does make sense. And you would think that, you know, somebody in the NHL is going to look at, like you said, like found money, uh, but kind of like what they have in front of them, right? Like you were just talking about Pirellini and uh, I hate to use the recycle the same example over and over again, but guy scores a goal. Um, he's been like an energy player every time he's been thrown in the lineup, scores a goal against the Senators, doesn't play any more time that game. Why, instead of making the adjustment that Tyson Berry just plays the rest of the game on defense and no one ever takes him off the ice, um, why not throw Pirellini up into, uh, you know, up into a top six role or something like that? If it was clearly something that was on your fucking radar, why wouldn't you have done that maybe in-game, especially when, oh shit, we're getting scored on pretty bad. Maybe it's time to jolt things up a little bit instead of letting this guy sit and get cold on the end of the bench like a freaking turkey sub. 
I mean, you I could digress. Even, you could even you could even like talk about Ryan McLeod as as a prime example with that. Like Ryan McLeod has played his best stretch of hockey in his career up to this point, and is still only getting like eight minutes a game. Like what what are we doing here? Honestly, uh, just, what are what are we doing here? Not allocating minutes correctly, obviously. Um, this is gonna show my lack of like presence as a Oilers podcaster guy. Um Nuge has COVID. Where is Nuge? Uh Nuge is actually injured. He's hurt. What did, what happened to him? Uh, I believe he has an LBI. Oh, so he should God. be back within the next week or so, I think is the idea. But when it comes to Nuge being back, this is once again, and I know that Nuge as center has not worked, but why don't we mess around with it? Why don't we do the mess around? Let's do the mess around. And, <laughs> I mean, he won two, won two games in two months. What? In the words of former 40, 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump, what the hell do you have to lose? Well, and that's that's the thing. is like you could get so creative with this lineup, but our fucking dinosaur of a head coach does not seem to think so. Okay. Um... I don't know if you have anything else you want to talk about with the lines because I was just going to, I mean, we kind of touched upon most of the Dave Tippett stuff, but I, I want to just quickly go over that before we move on from I want, all that. Stuff. I want to make one joke, and it's yes. a joke that I stole from okay. a friend of the show, Frank. Shout out, Frank. Um, we're talking about the uh, Oilers goaltending situation, and, and he's like, honestly, at this point, why don't they just tape up Chris Russell and throw him in there? And I thought that that was really funny. <laughs> on, like, honestly... I I agree. Like, I I still don't think goaltending is the problem on this team. Believe it or not, I'm just I'm fully on board with you guys are allowing way too many high grade chances. And I understand you need to get stops, but this team in their defensive zone is like ab- abysmal, abysmal for lack of a better term. I'm I'm back on my justice for Miko train, and I think that. He's going to have a really good game against the Panthers. Even if he lets in five or six goals, I still think that he's going to have a good game. You know damn well. I, we already know what's going to happen. Miko Koskinen is about to win like five in a row. Mark Spector is going to write an article about how, uh, about how this guy is like, uh, well, to say or to reflect on what I was saying before, found money. This guy is like, oh my God, real legit starting goaltender. And then he's going to stink for two games, and they're going to be like, oh, well, Mike Smith needs to come back. By the way, congratulations, Ken Holland, on giving a two-year deal to Mike Smith. Right. Hell yeah, brother, because uh, what do we have? What, five games from Smith so far? Gee, I'm I'm very surprised after signing a 39-year-old goaltender to two years. Fuck's sakes. Get better, Mike. Get better. Cut your kids' hair. Uh, <laughs> so look who's on the cut the kids' hair train now, <laughs> buddy. But going back to Dave Tippett overall, man. I mean, I, I talked about this extensively with Zach last last episode, but I mean, th- this thing still stands. I don't know how you haven't fired Dave Tippett up to this point. Lost twelve straight games behind the bench. Because those two wins, obviously, as we've mentioned before, were not with Dave Tippett. They were while Dave Tippett was in COVID protocol. Um, this is a coach that does not preach accountability unless you're under the age of 30. Uh, then if you have a turnover in the defensive zone, then you're benched. Um, and after this, like, depressy spaghetti McDavid press conference from the other night, this team just feels lost. They feel like they're not, like they're not in it anymore. And I think 
especially when you have a third period like they had on Saturday, this team can't close it, and they can't find that gear, and they can't find that inspiration. And I think that comes from the head coach. And the fact that Jay Woodcroft has had like has had the record he's had in Bakersfield, despite the fact he's had most of his guys going up and down, up and down, up and down between Bakersfield and Edmonton the entire season so far, and has still preached positivity, complete team game. We want everyone to feel like they're important. Like, this guy, is it's right there. It's right there. And I don't know why. Ken Holland and OEG and Bob Nicholson are still sitting on their ass while we're in the middle of the seventh year of Connor McDavid, the eighth year of Leon Dreisettle, and we're pissing it away. Like, we're, with, with the Batman points, we're what? Uh, we're what, a game above 500? Two games above 500? Something like that. Not very good. Like, we're on a free fall right now. This team is not the 16-5 and five team that we've seen before. And you and I have talked about this on the podcast before, but like, we saw signs of this. We saw signs of the team not starting on time, not closing games when they should, being outshot, being outworked, and they were somehow still eking away with these wins. And I, I as much as we as much as the big media wants to point this on Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettle, these guys have been pulling their weight all fucking season. It's about time that systems get instilled and the coaching staff is there to defend the players and to be like to and, and and to to inspire. And I know this goes back to this whole like cliche hockey thing of like you know all all what was what eight like all 18 guys in the room or whatever need to need to all be on the same page but that starts with coaching. And this team does not look like they're they're inspired anymore. And I think calling up a guy like Jay Woodcroft and getting a little bit more creative is exactly what this team needs to do. And I don't know how much more Dave Tippett has in him. No, and I th- we've used the term lost the room. We've used all these different hockey cliches over and over again. But at, at some point, it you know, you just need a change. You need something to inspire these guys to to get them out of the rut. And just like that, the, we're calling it the Depressi Spaghetti conference, uh, press conference from McDavid. But like at this point, like these guys do not look like they're having fun. These guys do not look like they're... In, have any shred of like desire to keep playing like if the season ended tomorrow I honestly think Connor McDavid would be like kind of okay with that because he's just fucking done with all the bullshit that he has to deal with and the question that Leon got answered today and you can just see him like shaking his head and how much he hates everything both of those guys are kind of done right so yeah. that being said um you know, it's like pulling a goalie in the middle of a game and the team comes out and scores a couple of goals. Sometimes all you need is just a pulse check. And if that is getting rid of the coach, so freaking be it. Because he certainly has not been pulling his weight, Mr. Tippett. We've talked about it. Um, certainly hasn't been pulling his weight. If he's lost the room, if the guys don't give a shit anymore, just pull the pin, Ken. Come on. It's right there. There's no loyalty in the game, dog. Ken Holland also just needs to just needs to get off his ass and do something. I'm sorry. This this patience bullshit is not working. Like and this team needs to be smart. Like they they it's so frustrating to see what Bill Zito's doing in Florida and to know that the Oilers interviewed Bill Zito and Ken Holland and chose Ken Holland and Bill Zito has turned 
the Florida Panthers into a complete fucking powerhouse now off of just, <laughs> hey, good players are available. Wow, I should probably get those players. It like the I mean we we we've talked about the whole Jacob Chickren thing, but the fact that like I've listened to Thirty Two Thoughts quite a bit, and Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick are both just flabbergasted by the fact that oh uh I uh, but think well because fucking uh Bobby Huckabee Stoffer is saying oh well I, I I don't think I don't I don't think I don't think Jacob Chickren makes a good fit. They have a veteran they have a veteran top four D in Duncan Keith. What? <laughs> there's there's veteran veteran and there's ancient but this this goes back to like um this goes back to even like the whole vegas thing what does vegas do and vague you know what you know what you know what's one thing that doesn't that doesn't exist in vegas it's not the salary cap do you know what it is miles <laughs> um i'll beat you to the so, punch so, excuses sobriety? excuses okay. Excuses do not exist in Vegas because no matter how far against the cap they are, no matter how close to that threshold they are, they always find a way. Because if a good player is available, fuck it, let's go get that good player. And why is it that we're stuck with this lame duck GM who looks at the situation and says, well, you know what, I just just don't think that's feasible. You know it's not feasible giving Tyson Berry three years at four and a half million dollars when you already have Evan Bouchard in the wings doing what he can do but better. Nolan, we got gifted two all-time press <laughs> just, conferences in the last two days. Just, yeah, just, you're just, done. <laughs> I'm cutting. I'm cutting you off. People are. People are. People are unsubscribing because we're just angry. <laughs> it's not a phase. Get out of my room. Two all-time pressers, and they both came from very different um, points of view. So since you've been so positive, I will um, <laughs> start with our optimistic Brandon Pierlini interview. I've uh, surmised this as being nice, cute, loves the boys, wants to win, will very much enjoy winning again. To surmise the words from Brandon Pierlini, summarize the words from Brandon Pierlini, he essentially said, um, yeah, you know, things haven't been great recently and uh, we're really, you know, uh, just as a team digging deep and uh, went on this long soliloquy of like, yeah, it sucks right now, guys, but you know what? When we start winning again, it's going to feel so good to win again, and we just can't wait to do that. And once we start winning again, we're going to remember that, you know, losing sucks, and we're not going to let it happen, and we're going to be a better team for it. And everyone was like, yo, this guy is so dope. Everyone's like, this is a golden retriever come to life. He has such sick surfer dude energy. He does have sick surfer dude energy. He has a puka shell necklace in the stall. For sure. He actually has big Patagonia energy, Miles. <sighs> careful. I am. Yeah, careful. <laughs> you... Miles, you're, you're, but, 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 but personally speaking, you're having a lot of fun lately. And I think that's what Brennan Pirellini does too. Uh, yes, he does have a lot of fun. I think, <laughs> uh, just a big, 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 big West coast boy. Okay, well, Miles, um, before you uh, surmise the uh, next portion of uh, w- of what we've found over the last 24 hours, how about I just play it for you? Yeah, it's so much better. Lots of reasons for why the owners are playing the way they are in terms of winning and losing. What do you think is the number one reason for the losses now? Is there, is there one thing that you, in your own mind you're saying, we got to get better at that? Yeah, we have, we have to get better at everything. 
Would you like to expand on that? No. You can do that. You know everything. Why are you so pissy, Leon? Hmm? Why are you so pissy? I'm not. I'm just I, answering your question. Yeah, you are. Whenever I ask you a question. I gave you an answer. Not a very good one. Okay. I have one more for you. Leon, you show your frustration on the ice. Last game against Ottawa. Is that a good thing when you show it so the other team knows you're frustrated? Yeah, it's a great thing, for sure. Good. I'm sorry. So what, what you don't what you don't see in that is the smirks and the just like Leon fucking hates Jurassic Park Jim Matheson. You know, I'll tell you one thing. If I ever interviewed Bob Stoffer and said, "Why do you have such idiotic takes and look like you are just lathering on the Whopper with cheese grease on your face?" <laughs> I would be fucking blacklisted from the NHL. And the idea that this, uh, I'm going to use the term again, this dinosaur can sit at a press conference interviewing a heart, I shouldn't say interviewing, he's just at a press conference asking questions, asking question to a heart trophy winner. Why are you so pissy? Is like, does Jim Matheson think he's like uh he's fucking Brooksy or something? He's like Larry Brooks? Like my guy. And 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 the 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 whole like um my guy. The whole uh uh the 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 fucking Tim and Friends clip where it was like, "Oh, uh <clears throat> Leon Draisaitl uh getting into it with Hockey Hall of Fame reporter Jim Matheson." Why, Jim? Because you were born in Edmonton and were alive in the 80s? Congratulations, you're a Hall of Famer. Like And then and then you got the and then you got the uh you got the 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 brigade coming in. The the uh the fucking journalism brigade. Uh uh Mark Spector coming to aid his press box comrade, and then guys like Steve Simmons also chiming in, which was really funny because he quote tweeted like a fake Jim Matheson account, which is just yeah, hilarious. I um, saw that. And then Michael Trakos and Mark Wicker. And 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 to add, and actually speaking of Mark Spector, um adding to what what was really funny about that whole thing, uh Mark Spector also getting into it with Jeff Jackson, Connor McDavid's agent. On, oh on Twitter. So so the next time, so when Connor McDavid requests a trade and Mark Spector write, writes this piece about why the fans are such assholes, um, well, we'll point to that. We'll point to when you got into an argument with his agent, you friggin' idiot. Um, yeah. Uh, Miles, I, I, I know that I've kind of gone a bit of a tangent with this. I've kind of taken a lot of points. So, uh, Miles, how, how about you tell me how, you, uh, how you're feeling about the the Leon, the Leon answer. Well, uh, you gave the explanation of like the media side of it. I'll do the fan side of it. So just a, a quick peruse of Twitter, a, uh, a click on a tweet to see the replies. This man got ratioed into a whole nother stratosphere. <laughs> like if you look at the comments on that tweet, like directly at him, like people are calling him an idiot. People are like saying exactly what you just said to him. Um, and a lot of people, a lot of former players, a lot of uh, other team executive, well, maybe not other team executives, but a number of former players and like other sports personalities are coming to Leon's defense and just being like, shut up, Jim. Like what you're saying doesn't make any sense. 
Leon's totally in the right here. Like this, this is ridiculous. How can people stand for this? Blah, 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 blah. So uh, I don't think that that gets lost on a team. And I don't think that gets lost on a player either where, you know, in this social media age, people are seeing that people are tuning into that and, and know that there's guys that have their back. So you know what, man, if they go on a rip after this and Leon scoring a bunch of goals, I hope one of his sellies is just pointing to the press box and just waving a finger. Like I want to see ultimate pettiness. And just to just, I, I just, I just have two more points to make on this, uh, on this whole thing. And then we can move on to the NHL talk. Um, Jim Matheson also notoriously upset that Yesipoli Yarvi wore 98 because it was disrespectful to Wayne Gretzky. That makes sense. Um, another, a sign of his just, uh, his complete and utter, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Um, stupidity. Uh, stupidity is a good one. Um, oh my God. Uh, contradictory behavior. Uh, he asked Dave Tippett a very similar question. Uh, about Leon showing frustration because apparently Leon wasn't back checking and was allowing too many goals in the game against Ottawa. Um, and Tip basically responded, and I got to give Tip credit for this. Um, I-, I like that he didn't throw Leon under the bus, which is kind of surprising coming from the from the coach that absolutely, uh, you know, exorc- or performed an exorcism on Miko Koskinen a couple weeks ago. Um, but Tip responding with a, I didn't see it. And then, Matheson just gave him a, okay, thank you. So the guy will pester a heart trophy winner, but not the head coach that's the last 12 straight. Give your fucking head a shake, dude. Just because you've been covering this team for 40 years does not give you the right. At the end of the day, Leon Dreisaitl holds all the cards. Leon Dreisaitl is a superstar. They don't make more than, they don't make more guys like that. They make plenty of fucking guys like you that'll do a way better job. Suck it, Jim. Oh, and the last thing I want to say is I want to give a shout out to friend of the show, Zach Lang, because Zach had a, uh, a, a, a tweet thread that went viral today and that, and that rocks. And I'm just going to quickly read it. And then I'm just going to tell you the last, the last kind of funny thing that, that sort of goes on with that. Okay. So he says, why is Leon Dreisettle so pissy? Maybe it's the fact he's in his eighth year in the NHL and he's played 21 playoff games. Maybe it's the fact the Oilers' last two playoff appearances have resulted in embarrassing sweeps. Maybe it's the fact that the Oilers have had the same problems now that they did three years ago, as they did five years ago, as they did eight years ago. Maybe it's that the Oilers have placed bottom two in the Pacific in half his NHL seasons. Maybe it's the fact two world-class MVP-winning superstars who perennially lead the league in scoring can't get it all done on their own. In my opinion, his answer of everything being wrong is fair. There are massive issues that plague this team top to bottom that can't be addressed. Players like Dreisaitl, who leads the league in goals and points, shouldn't have to answer for the organization's multiple misfires. Very well said. Then, a little man named Jim Matheson decided to co-tweet him and said that is why he was asked if there was some anger to go with the frustration. Just trying to justify his question. Um, And when we're talking about nuclear ratios 85 retweets well i mean let's see how many quote tweets there are in that bad boy oh uh sorry three retweets 83 quote quote tweets oh hold on hold on 66 likes miles guess how many replies there are i'm gonna say over a thousand 892 oh (laughs) 
<laughs> we need a medic on site. Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jim. So please revoke this guy's press pass. I'm done with him. Please, for the love of God, we have so many other younger people in journalism that could do a way better job. For the love of God, Zach, bring Zach Lang on. Zach would do a phenomenal job. Okay. Well, let's talk about the NHL, shall we? Let's talk about the NHL, Nolan. It's been a big week in the NHL. uh, And the NHL has been getting some overall um, excitement, some overall press. Not all of it good, but not all of it bad. Because what's the the famous thing about uh, publicity, Nolan? All publicity is good publicity. Kodak Black was... (laughs) Was that rapper Kodak Black was in the house at a game against uh, the Florida Panthers took on the Vancouver Canucks. Um, Very cool. We are stoked to see that a sunrise Florida native himself uh, down just watching the cats play a game, you know, Um, very, very cool. Well, the question remains what exactly happened in his personal suite. Some shit went down in his personal suite that (laughs) <laughs> very quickly went viral um, as someone was recording him being twerked on. I think it's fair to say. Um, and a number of executives in the other booth looking over, kind of watching it happen. So the NHL did their famous, like, Hey, Kodak black, like uh, Instagram pandering bullshit. Uh, and then subsequently deleted it off all their socials. when The, uh, the clip went live. So um, I think Kodak black should get season tickets because that's so funny and that's so good for the game in my opinion because everybody's talking about it this is old news like everybody's seen this clip by now if you haven't look it up it's hilarious um as long as you're above the age of 18 um so we need more of that shit we need some more personality in the, in the nhl honestly i wish i really wish he was fucking in the booth that would have been so that would have been so funny so like, funny that would have been so funny in the press box um yeah that 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 rules um very happy kodak, to see, it. Don't want to see i think it's just and... i think it's just funny the idea of kodak black at a hockey game is just really funny like it's it's just a funny bit on its own um also funny uh uh, uh timo meyer scoring five goals in a game against the kings yeah Insane. um really good uh do, do, do you know who do you know who else had uh who had three apples in that game yeah, I'm gonna guess Eric Carlson if you're yes the uh my my Pornhub my Pornhub subscription Eric Carlson say that again sorry my Pornhub subscription Eric Carlson <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I heard you correctly that's that's, <laughs> that's, that's wild um Nolan we're gonna be getting into the NHL All Star Game uh, discussion here which is something that I've really been looking forward to I'm a big fan of the All Star Game. Um, despite what I'm about to say afterward. But uh, I just wanted to preface that by saying that last week I was in Saskatoon at the Crop Production Show, no free ads, um, and I had a little bit of free time on my hands. So I was able to tune in and watch the Bruins and Habs game. Very cool, historic rivalry. It happened to be the game where one Bradley Marchand had a hat trick. Uh, He is such a little prick, man. Just watching him buzz up and down the ice and do the things that he does, it's it's insane. But very cool to get to see him get a hattie. Um, It's also quite funny that that was his sixth hat trick in the NHL. That puts him like top four on the Bruins team. Um, Don't look at the notes. Do you know who's number one active on the Bruins roster for hat tricks in the NHL? Is, is Is it Pasternak? 
It is David Pasternak, who is over 10 years younger than him. Oh my goodness gracious. It's it's also just pretty cool too, the like this weird career arc that Brad Marchand has had, where he like he started off and you thought of him as this like uh you know sixty point guy, and then all of a sudden he turns like twenty nine and now he's like a hundred point player is like one of the elite players in the NHL. Honestly, if you haven't, we've talked about it before. Um, advanced numbers, Brad Marchand is like a top seven player in the NHL over he's, the past like four years. He's stupid good. He's a freak. Um, sucks to play against. A lot of guys don't like him. A lot of people don't like him in the NHL, but he is good at what he does. When Speaking. Oh, sorry. sorry. I was just going to say when he signed his contract, like the one he's on now, I thought that was going to be an all time awful contract because he was like 29 or 28 when he signed it. And it's like a seven or eight year deal worth like six million dollars and now it looks like a friggin' steal it's that's i love i love when players do that (laughs) speaking of players who are just really really good the nhl all-star game rosters are finalized nolan i have them broken up per division as that is how it is always done do you mind if i start by naming the the atlantic division all-stars please do thank you very much nolan uh, your captain for the Atlantic Division is none other than Toronto Maple Leafs forward, Austin Matthews. That's a fan vote pick, by the way. All of the captains for each division were fan vote picks, and the rest um, just kind of fall into place here off of fan votes again, but without like the outright decision for, for, uh, for captains. So... Joining Austin Matthews on the Atlantic Division team is Drake Batherson from Ottawa, Patrice Bergeron from Boston, Jonathan Huberdeau from Florida, Dylan Larkin from Detroit, Nick Suzuki from Montreal, Rasmus Dalin from Buffalo, Victor Hedman from the Tampa Bay Lightning, Soup, Jack Campbell from Toronto, and Andre Vasilevsky from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Their head coach is the replacement man himself in Florida, Mr. Andrew Burnett. Pretty good team. Um, couple picks on this team and we're going to get into it later that I don't personally like just like based on the NHL's structure of the game itself but uh, yeah we'll talk about that in a little bit Nolan your thoughts on the Atlantic division yeah I I think when we're going to kind of get to it with the snubs and all that um, I if we're going based off of the whole like the NHL wants to get a representative from every team and we'll talk about that after so um, we can probably just move on to the Metro at this point. Um, do, would, you, would you like me to rattle off the Metro? I would love that. Captaining the Metropolitan Division All-Stars, a man who does not like the All-Star game because he routinely skips it and s- proceeds to get suspended, Alexander Ovechkin. I really hope he goes this year. It'd be pretty cool. Actually, I think he will go because it's in Vegas. He's going to get <laughs> so absolute. He's getting hammered in Vegas. So Russian. So uh, Russian. <laughs> Joining him going to Vegas is Sebastian Ajo from Carol from the Carolina Hurricanes, Claude Giroux of the Philadelphia Flyers, Jack Hughes of the New Jersey Devils, Chris Kreider of the New York Rangers, Adam Fox of the sorry, yeah, Adam Fox also of the New York Rangers, of the New York Islanders, Adam Pellick, Zach Wierenski from the Columbus Blue Jackets, Frederick Anderson of the Carolina Hurricanes, Tristan Jari of the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the coach, Rod the Bod. Rod Brindamore. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that kind of all makes sense. Um, man, Frederick um, Anderson's had a f- phenomenal year. 
Dude, speaking of a phenomenal year, I would like to use this platform to publicly apologize to Tristan Jari for the shit that we said about him last year in the playoffs. Didn't have a good playoff against the Islanders. That is not false. We were not incorrect in saying that, but talk about a bounce back, man. This boy has made a rubber. So good for Tristan Jari. Yeah, it's yeah, totally, man. It's it's been it's been nice to see him have a nice little comeback. Now, whether or not that actually adds up to something in the playoffs remains to be seen. Because uh, we're are we even halfway through the season yet? I don't even know if we're forty games in or forty one games in yet. Um, but I think they're thirty eight. The Oilers are like thirty eight or something oh like my that. God. <laughs> I'm uh, throw myself off a bridge. So I'm very stoked that I get to introduce the Central Division All-Stars because this division is just like absolute disgusting adult video, adult video awards <laughs> pit, like sweaty, Jackie Moon, disgustingly good. Have you ever gone uh, to an adult video store? I have not, actually. You haven't? I have not. I went to one for my, oh my, 19, for, for my 19th birthday. Did you buy anything? I did. I bought a, uh, I bought a, um, bought a, I, okay. One, one thing that they, they don't talk about when you're younger is how expensive porn DVDs are. Like they're <laughs> atrociously priced. I bought, I bought a film in the, in the discount bin because it had Shyla styles in it and it was twenty five ninety nine. <gasps> I was not expecting this on the show today. <laughs> uh, do you still have it? uh somewhere nice man yeah that's good not a lot of people not a lot of people have hard copy porn these days you're uh you're you're a real class act it's probably stored away at my dad somewhere very sick um also sick is this roster captain by none other than the guy who hates sugar nathan mckinnon from the colorado avalanche ugliest guy in the nhl kyle connor of the winnipeg jets joining him there Alex DeBrincat, the father of two Instagram dogs from the Chicago Blackhawks. The 40-year-old rookie Kirill Kaprizov from the Minnesota Wild joining in that team as well. Clayton Keller from the Arizona Coyotes. Jordan Cairo from the St. Louis Blues. Uh, Ho Pavelski had to check to make sure that that was correct and that I wasn't seeing things. Of the Dallas Stars, the ageless wonder Ho Pavelski will be going to the All-Star Game in Vegas. Kale McCarr the greatest skater of all time, question mark, from the Colorado Avalanche, also joining this team. Yusisaros of the Nashville Predators it will be in goal, as well as former Oiler Cameron Talbot, his two adorable twins from the Minnesota Wild. The coach of this team is none other than Jared Bednar. The coach of the Avalanche will be behind the bench for the Central Division. Gross. Pretty gross team overall. By the way, if uh, if Joe Pavelski has any interest in becoming an Edmonton Oiler, I would be very, very, very interested. Ho Pavelski. Yes, Ho Ho Pavelski. Um, yeah, this is a this is a murderer's row. Man, on a side note, Clayton Keller is just kind of a disappointment, dude. Like, I, oh, and yeah. I guess that he's probably just because it's like it's it's Arizona, but like, man, I thought he was so good as a rookie. I was so excited for him. Who knows? Maybe when they get a little bit more talent around them, hopefully they get Shane Wright and Clayton Keller has a new friend to play with. So, um, A new toy! A new toy, guys! Speaking of toys, the two best toys in the league, unfortunately, on 
recently speaking, one of the worst teams. The Pacific Division is co-headlined by Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. Connor McDavid, obviously, the captain of the Pacific Division All-Stars. Joining the two of them, Mark Stone of the Vegas Golden Knights, as well as Alex Petrangelo. Um, Jordan Eberle, the Seattle Kraken. He's not really having that great of a year, but got to get a Seattle guy in there. Uh, Johnny Hockey of the Calgary Flames. Adrian Kempe, wolf of the LA Kings. Adrian. <laughs> Demo Meyer of the San Jose Sharks. John Gibson of the Anaheim Ducks. Thatcher Demko of the Vancouver Canucks. And the coach is Peter DeBoer of the Vegas Golden Knights. Nolan. Yes. I'd like to thank you for um, not making fun of the spelling of some of these names because I did this just like looking off my phone and I was not about to spell these last names correctly. And normally you give me shit for that. And I'm glad that you didn't. And that means that you are growing as a person. So uh, thank do, you for that. Do you want me to, do you want me to reference uh, Zach Workensky? <laughs> I thought we weren't talking about that. <laughs> or, or Chris Critter. <laughs> Critter, the Critter Killer. <laughs> oh goodness gracious! No, that's Nolan Schumann. <laughs> oh, uh, Nolan. Yes. Very cool that we get to do this the day that the last men in were voted in. Around one thirty today, the NHL announced that Nazem Kadri of the Colorado Avalanche, Steven Stamkos of the Tampa Bay Lightning, um, Troy Terry of the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, Mighty Ducks of Anaheim, however you'd like to say it, and Mika Zibanejad of the New York Rangers who was replaced by Jake Getzel uh, because he decided not to go for personal reasons, are the last men in due to fan votes. So the All-Star Game rosters are set. Those players will be joining their respective divisions and will be joining their teammates in Las Vegas, Nevada for the All-Star Game. Thoughts overall, Nolan? What do you think of it? What do you think? What are you thinking? What do you, how do you feel? What are you doing? Um, you I know doing? that, I know that you wrote this in the notes. Um, so why don't I let you take the point because you wrote it in the notes um, about the structure of this all-star game because I completely and utterly agree with you. Okay. We talk a lot about how the NHL isn't taken. Um, like, how do I, how they're how stupid. We, they're not very, they're yeah. not very smart. How the NHL isn't taken seriously by the other major sporting leagues because they do shit like this it is the all-star game this is supposed to be a game of the best players in the nhl full stop putting on a show for the fans it should be you know the best players in the league maybe a few uh like legacy picks like all-time guys like a Sidney crosby you know um an alexander ovechkin like a yammer yager when it was time those are the guys that should be joining the stars not this fucking equality bullshit equality is fine this is a different thing i'm talking about like market equality bullshit where all of these different franchises have to be represented like okay clayton keller we just talked about how you're not very good arizona your time will come drake batherson from ottawa your time will come uh jordan everly from seattle like are you kidding me that these guys are going to be sharing the ice in an offensive spectacle like what are they going to do when they're doing the team relay race like jordan everly's going to do the puck handling drill like no like fuck are you like what is going on so this every team needs to be represented every market needs to be represented is not conducive to a full 
actual all-star game and it is so infuriating uh also honorable mention that everyone wants a breakaway challenge back from the nhl in the all-star game because it's one of the rare opportunities where you actually get to see a player's creativity and their personality shine through and the nhl is just like oh the fans want something (laughs) sorry can't hear you because they're uh they're their ears are plugged by the multi billions of dollars that they generate on a regular basis. The and then the millions of dollars that they could be making if they actually turn the league into something yeah. that people want to watch. Yeah, that'd be crazy. Oh, oh, and special shout out that this is in Vegas and the jerseys are like actually the most boring NHL star jerseys I've ever Dude, fucking seen. This would have been so easy because like I think the foundation of the jerseys are easy or are actually not bad. But you know what they should have done. They should have done fucking like um. They should have done like sparkly red and sparkly blue. How cool would that have been? Like, well, like, like the sequins that are in the the nice jerseys to begin with. Yeah, man. Like, like something something ridiculous like that is the way to do it. Um, the the one point I might kind of push back on a little bit is the Seattle selection. And the only reason why I say that is just because they are a brand new franchise. It would make sense to have one player from that new franchise joining. I don't like it overall, but I do think that it would make sense to have one player from that brand new franchise join the fold just because it's like, it's our new franchise. We have to, we have to show off our, our new, our new pretty pet toy. Then get their draft pick from Michigan, Matty Beers or whatever his name is. Beneers? Call him up. He's not even, he doesn't even have an NHL contract. He can't legally play in the NHL. He's legally better than any option <laughs> on that team in an All Star game. Honestly, they should have. Honestly, they should have just sent Geo. Like he's the captain of the team. He's the captain of the team. He's not very good, but that's probably your best option is just to send Geo. Hardest shot, Mark Giordano. Oh my God, he's what's up an eighty-four muffin. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I've I felt I felt Wonder Bread. That's for that's uh, harder than Mark Giordano's oh. shot. Um, Can we bitch about snubs for a second? Absolutely. So, like, it's pretty abysmal to me that Nazem Kadri, the guy who's, like, top five in league scoring, had to be voted in as a freaking last man in. Yeah. Who's having a career year, and we're voting him in as a last man in. That's that's disgusting. Um, Roman Yossi, a Norris-winning defenseman, not even in the conversation this year, regardless of what he's done. He's a good player. He's somebody that should certainly be there, even as like uh, when I was talking about like a legacy pick or something like that. Like that's a guy who's a star in the league should should be there. Yeah. Igor Shosturkin from the New York Rangers is having like a Vesna caliber season. And I understand that in that division, the picks that they have are, are well deserving. Right. Those are good goalies. But like, huh? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> is, a, is a good way to put it. Um, yeah, I, I'd probably honestly bump, bump, bump Jari out. Um, now I think if I did read correctly, I think Shisterkin might have an injury issue. And I do believe that a lot of the players were consulted on whether or not they wanted to go to the all-star game or not, because I think, um, that's the big reason why Adrian Kempe is in the all-star game instead of freaking, oh, I don't know, Anze Kopitar, um, (laughs) is because I don't think Anze Kopitar wanted to go to the all-star game this year. But, I, but the I mean, fact that the fact that your best players don't want to go to the All Star game because it's shitty, yeah, is like pro- problematic to say the least. Um, yeah, I, I just 
you made some great points there. Like it, it's just, I don't know, like why the hell you have Clayton Keller coming and why the hell you have uh what's, what's another, I mean, Adam Pellick is a great player, but come on, dude, like for an all-star game, fucking kidding me. Rasmus Dahlin. I want him to be better. No, Nick Suzuki. Come on. Like brutal. Not even like the not even like the high end skill to show off at an all star game. At, at least with a guy like Jack Hughes, it's like this guy has so much skill and he can put on a show. But I just yeah, it's it's tough, man. I I don't. Uh, I I would have. I mean, I think everyone's mentioned this, but I mean, it would have been really cool to see yeah, Trevor Zegers there as well, just for the just for the whole skill factor and all that, just make it a little bit more exciting. Exactly. But. It's the NHL. You, the NHL's are stupid. You, are you going to watch? Probably. <laughs> Without a doubt, I will be tuning in. So I am my own worst enemy. Who's going to be the who's, who's going to be the musical act this year? I need to find out. Uh, Nickelback? It, it, that would mean that the NHL is cool. <laughs> it's going to be like Chris. No, I was, no, no. <laughs> no it's going to be like uh, Ian it's, Dior. It's going to be like David Cook, the winner of American Idol of one year. <laughs> Ruben stuttered. It's going to be Bo Bice. Fantasia Barino. <laughs> it's going to be Clay Aiken is going to be back. Uh, it's not even going to be Kelly Clarkson. It's going to be Justin Guarini, the guy that came in second place. And oh, then no, the... they're getting into the runners-up category. <laughs> yeah, they're, just, they're just getting all of the runners-up of American Idol past no, for dude, forming ladies... a super group. Ladies and gentlemen, performing at the NHL All-Star game from medicine hat alberta kaylin porter <laughs> dude you know who i do you know what song i listened to while uh while i was getting a bit of a while i was getting a little bit of a workout the other day uh, ladies and gentlemen this is mambo number five <laughs> bah, 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 bah. <laughs> uh, um dude i'm trying to think of that clay Aiken song because the one clay Aiken song that was like it, kind of big uh was, invisible if yeah I dude was that's, invisible. that song is a bop uh, who is the fuck? I'm, I'm trying to take a look at who's going to be, uh, no, okay, this, this would have been, oh, that was 2016 when Vince Gill was the, was the headliner. Oh, <laughs> Richard's favorite musical artist. <laughs> I love how much my dad hates Vince Gill. It's the funniest thing. Okay, what the hell? Where's the, where's the NHL All-Star Game musical act? Because I know that Thomas Root performed at the, at the Winter Classic. Thomas who? Thomas Root. <laughs> Thomas Root. Thomas Root. Did you listen to his new song, Miles? Tom, ah, man, I don't have enough time to talk about Thomas Rhett. Um, <laughs> loved old Thomas Rhett, new Thomas Rhett. Like now I'm sitting on a Walmart shelf. Like make, <laughs> makes me, makes me want to run headfirst into a wall. <laughs> oh. What What would you do if like if Thomas Rhett collaborated with Laney? I would listen. <laughs> You'd be <laughs> and I would in. Re- I would be all in. Yeah, I would repeat the shit out of that. Uh, post speak- post it on my Instagram story, like fall down, down and out, eastbound and down, lady up and drunk it. Speaking of eastbound and down, uh, I don't know where I went with this. Uh, the Winter Olympics got announced. The Olympic rosters are oh, getting they announced. Are go- they're going east, depending which part of the world. They're going far one. east, like far east movement on a G six. <laughs> oh, sip and scissor in my ride. 
Um, but yes, Nolan, the Olympics are on the horizon. Teams are starting to name their rosters. Women's rosters have been out for a little while, um, but the USA was the first like major men's program to name their teams team. Um, and I'm going to say his name wrong again, even though we said it about five minutes ago. Maddie Beers. Veneers. Veneers, like veneers for your yes, teeth. Yes, like veneers, Maddie, but with a B. Maddie Veneers from the University of Michigan. Matthew Kynes from the University of Minnesota. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so I spelled it wrong? No, yeah. I didn't. I just don't yeah. know. No, you spelled uh, it wrong. <laughs> oh, right on. And Jake Sanderson. That there you one go. I, that one I can do <laughs> from North Dakota State. Uh, are some of the names that are being uh, put on that team. They have three first round picks from last year's draft and six former NHL players on that roster. Um, Just a gentle reminder that we are absolutely robbed of what could have been at the Olympics from the men's side. Uh, Such bullshit, but looking forward to Canada Uh, expected that the Canadians are going to follow a very similar structure with their team. And some of the names that are being thrown around Nolan, two of which I'm very excited about are, Owen Power and Mason McTavish. It'll be interesting to see if the OHL team will give up Mason McTavish, but man, if he goes, like, I am all in. I I completely agree, and honestly, what they should be doing is they should be going full youth movement. Connor Bedard? Fuck it. Send Bedard, send Shane Wright. Like, and the cool cool thing about this, I think this is really interesting. So we talk about um, players' legacies, especially when like they go to the Hall of Fame, and uh, the Triple Gold Club is a is like a very exclusive club. I don't know. I think there's like 25 players that are in the Triple Gold Club. And for anybody yeah. that doesn't know, it's Olympic gold, World Championship gold, and Stanley Cup. By the time Owen Power plays his first NHL game, he could be two thirds of the way to a Triple Gold Club. What's okay? What? How? What does he have already? He already has a world championship gold. How? He won gold in the worlds. The one where Man scored last like, like year. Where, oh yeah, yeah in yeah. Latvia, in in Riga. Yeah. He Dude. so if he if they that he could potentially have two of the three marks checked off by the time he plays his very first NHL game. Retires at twenty four. Retires at twenty four because Buffalo just r- rattles off a Stanley Cup win in his rookie year. Unbelievable. I would actually like blow up the house if if the <laughs> Buffalo Sabres win a Stanley Cup before the Edmonton Oilers. Like that would be like heresy. That would be like <laughs> a, a frogs falling from the sky. One of the plagues. The ending of the film Magnolia. Oh, hell oh, yeah, sp- dude. Oh, spoiler alert. Sorry, guys, if you haven't seen Magnolia. Yeah, I've no, I have not seen that movie. Yeah, yeah I figure as much as not really a Miles. <laughs> I'm so quirky. Um, so that makes up what we have for the men's Olympic tournament. Let's talk about the women's Olympic tournament because Team Canada does not matter uh, what you, how much hockey you watch. The Team Canada women's team is always a fucking wagon, and if you don't jump on the Team Canada train when they play against the women's team. Um, send in your citizenship because you're done because it's it's always just insane to watch that i love watching that gold medal because the the history behind it and the rivalry like those girls grow up playing against each other a lot and the the blood is bad 
to, to be said. So there's 13 returners from the last Olympic team that are going to be uh, making up the women's roster. Breaking that down a little bit further, there are two returning gold medalists from Vancouver in 2010. Oh, there are six gold medal returning players from Sochi. Oh, and there are 13 silver medalists from South Korea, Pyeongchang, that will be on the team again. I want to give a special shout out to Emily Clark from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, the only Saskatchewan player on the women's roster. We love Emily Clark. Shout out to you. And Marie-Philippe Poulon, who will wear the C once again for Team Canada. They're always rock stars, and I want to see them beat the USA so bad. All aboard the gold train. All aboard the gold train. And, dude, shout out Sarah Nurse as well. Sarah Nurse rules. Is Sarah Nurse on the team? Did I not see that? Sarah Nurse is on the team, yes. Man, that family is crazy. And freaking, I I think it's still sick that Natalie Spooner is still crushing it. Like mm-hmm. she's Man, that, so good. I always love that. Like the 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 women's team finally gets its spotlight because a lot of those players have really cool stories. Oh, hundred percent. And I I like and I I was actually talking about this with Taylor because she she didn't like she didn't know like just how sick Haley Wickenheiser is by the fact that she's already a probably the best like female hockey player of all time and then in addition to that she's like oh yeah i'm retiring but i'm actually also putting on a stethoscope and becoming a doctor oh like that is so sick that is incredible um it's just it's just it's just cool to see to see women doing cool things shout out women shout out women shout out the women's team fucking go canada go i cannot wait for it um I guess last bit of the of the pod here, Nolan, is that uh, Willie O'Ree, we kind of said this in the opener, uh, his jersey is being retired. Uh, his number 22 is being raised to the rafters of TD Garden on the 64th anniversary of his first game in the National Hockey League. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Willie O'Ree was the first black player in the NHL. I uh, broke the color barrier there and uh, will now have his name beside other Bruins greats like Bobby Orr, Eddie Shore, Esposito, and many more. Yeah, man, this is this is so cool. I, and it's, but it's also kind of sad because it's it's a complete and utter travesty that it hasn't already happened. Um, uh, but it's, it took, it's it took eleven years from Jackie Robinson breaking into the MLB for a black player to make it into the NHL. So we talked about the NHL being an old boys club, and man, the, the stories that you hear about like racism in hockey in twenty twenty one, where players are getting yelled at. Um, I cannot imagine what this dude put up with for his two years in the NHL. Like he, he had a long career in the WHL. He played like in LA and a few other places like that, but he played two seasons in NHL. Um, I think he got hurt was the story. Not, I think I, I researched it. He got hurt and that's kind of what stopped him from like being a mainstay on the Bruins roster, but ended up having a great career in the WHL and played like 300 and some games out there which when the seasons were significantly shorter that's a pretty impressive number of games to play a quote from mr o'ree i never i never dreamed of my number being retired and put up into the rafters all i wanted to do was play and try to be the best player i could be he made his debut in 1958 at the montreal forum when the bruins played the Habs. o'ree is a pioneer in sport and as has played a major role to black athletes across not only hockey but across sport in general He's a Hockey Hall of Fame inductee as of 2018, and Willie O'Ree has established 39 grassroots programs across North America, allowing an estimated 120,000 kids to try hockey. 
The Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture had a life-size bronze statue of Mr. O'Ree made as part of their leveling the playing field exhibit that was on display last year. Not to be outdone because he is Canadian. Uh, the Royal Canadian Mint had a $20 silver coin in 2020 uh, with O'Ree on it as part of a Black History Month uh, promotional or commemorative coin. And this is a good quote that I really like from from Wayne Simmons, Toronto Maple Leafs player, one of the one of the uh, one of the black players in the NHL that you know has has gotten a long a long career, if I can oh, say uh, that. Yeah, definitely. Um, if it wasn't for Mr. O'Ree, I wouldn't be in the league today. He's done so much for the sport, whether it be helping kids, black kids, kids of every ethnicity realize their dreams. Um, this is awesome, and we're so stoked. Again. Sad that it took this long to happen, but shout out to the Bruins. Shout out Willie O'Ree, world-class organization with what, the, what they've done. And we talk about the Bruins a lot as kind of like a model for what you like to see. And it's just great that, you know, finally his name's going to be up there. Yeah, absolutely, man. And very well said. I, 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 I didn't want to interrupt too much because, I mean, you got this all prepped and I, I think you did a really great job putting this all together. So, um yeah, it, it, honestly, it's still such a shame that it took them until 2018 to finally induct him into the Hockey Hall of Fame because, I mean, that, that's a guy that should have been in a long, long, long time ago. Sorry, there's a spider in Um, Yeah, I just, uh, it's, there's there's not much else to say. A, a true pioneer and a true, trail, true, true trailblazer of the sport. Shout out Willie O'Ree. Shout out Guy. <laughs> well, well, Nolan... Well, we've decompressed. That, that that about does it for the show. There's just one last bit of business that we need to take care of, and that is outlining the upcoming agenda. So by the time this episode airs, the game uh, against the Florida Panthers Thursday will probably already be be done. We can assume uh, they play the Calgary Flames on Saturday night. Boa Shotgun Challenge is going to be back. Yeah, buddy. And they play the Vancouver Canucks Tuesday, January 25th. I've included that game in here, which may be postponed. Uh, but just, you know, given our time schedule and everything like that, I figured I'd do one full calendar week. Three games, Nolan. How are the boys going to do? Okay, well, first and foremost, I just realized that I, I may not be able to take part in the shotgun challenge. Oh, my God. I know. I know this is, this is a travesty. We are going to a cottage this weekend, and I do not know if I'll be able to tune into the game at all. Oh, I just got told no, I won't. So I'm gonna have to probably check my phone the odd time. And then this if episode I, is bullshit. So what's gonna have to happen, Miles, is you are gonna have to send me updates. Oh yeah. Okay. So as long as you send me updates, I will shotgun with you. Um, however, Miles, I want to hear you. I want to hear your prediction first. It's gonna be a two and one week. I think it's a three and zero oh week, actually. Because you know why? Hockey is stupid. Hockey is really <laughs> dumb. And I, I it's it just, because it, it, I, I, I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. The, the Oilers are going to win three games. Uh, the, the, the narratives are going to start about how Dave Tippett's a f- phenomenal head coach. And then they're going to kind of get their, going to kind of get their shit together. We're probably going to coast into the playoffs off of like an insane season from Leon Dreisettle and Connor McDavid. And yeah, we'll we'll see how the playoffs turn out. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna say that this is probably gonna be the end of the losing streak here. So I'm gonna say three and zero. I really hope we're not talking about a Connor McDavid trade request in a week. But we will see how this all goes. But I will say three 
and O. Oh. Two and one, they're going to lose to Vancouver. Ugh. I know. I'm a cheeky little bastard. Ugh. Yuck. That's Yucky. a big, big, big bucket of yuck. And actually, we're, we're, we're probably actually, or no, that's Tuesday. We'll probably record before then, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Well, Miles, do you have anything, any par- parting words you wanted to say before we uh, close out uh, this, uh, this, um, 16th episode of one for one. Yeah, I do, Nolan. Um, I've been getting some shit that uh, they want to see a pick a palooza standings update. And so do I. I would love to do that. Um, I just need to put the bottle down for enough minutes to, to tally it up. So it is in the works. It's going on. Uh, bear with me. And you know what? For, for some of you, maybe you don't want to see an update on the standings. Maybe you just want to live in blissful ignorance that you are up at the top of the standings. Because if it's Tanner Fermusha again, who's been playing on two different profiles this year, you absolute skunk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that he's going to be double what an, You know what? Tanner for Moose Shot, Evander Kane, certified assholes. <laughs> uh, we love Tanner. We do. That being said, Nolan, things are coming. The winds, they are a blowing. And we are excited for another week of Edmonton Oilers hockey. I had a lot of fun this week, Nolan. I hope you did too. Thank you all for tuning in to the 16th episode of Season 2 of the One for One Podcast. And as always... Go Oilers, go. Go Oilers, go.